0: Uh, but, but cool, well, this letter uh, got me really thinking about that, and we're going to get into that a little bit more of what it really means to be human, but we're going to be starting off in verse uh, 12 tonight, and Paul is talking about just our, our pursuit of, of our maturity in Christ, and he actually uses a word in this translation, it was translated uh, as perfection, and he's not really talking about perfection like, oh, I'm so perfect, I walk on water, that kind of thing. He's really talking about our, our maturity in Christ, you know, the, the understanding in our relationship with our God. So he starts out and he says, look, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection or maturity, full maturity, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. Now, it's kind of an awkward way of saying, you know, but I press on to possess the perfection. Basically, he's pressing on to live out the vision that, that God had for his life. to Actually, to live out the vision of what God had for his creation. He's pressing on for that relationship. And he's pressing on toward that. Uh, you know, we have this understanding of, of relationships and, and, and actually being adopted uh, into God's family. God says that he's a king, and, and uh, by, we are offered an adoption to become a princess or, or prince of the king most high, and, and this kind of resonates with us sometimes. You know, like in the, in the 80s, uh, there was Princess Diana, remember her? And, and she was kind of this commoner and her, her Prince Charming came and, and, and met her and married her and, and she kind of lived this, this story where she had a lot of transition from living a commoner's, you know, life to living a royal, royal life. Now, her Prince Charming turned out to be a toad, so, you know, we don't want to go too far in with that illustration, but this understanding that, hey, when we're, invited, when we're adopted into a royal family, that things are going to change, that that we are going to experience different things. And he continues on in verse 13, and he says once again, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, this is actually the complete opposite of of what we have uh, kind of experienced in in 20th, and it's kind of changing in the 21st century. Kind of the psychology. You know, it, uh, traditionally, traditional therapy, you you go and you you lie on a couch for years. And, and you dig, you know, deep into your past and you go farther and farther back. And then, you know, after years or, or, or decades and, and thousands of dollars spent, you find out it's your mom's fault, right? And, and this is kind of, this is kind of the idea of, of traditional therapy. And a lot of that is changing now. And it's actually changing to a more biblical method of this, this understanding of, you know What? What's in the past is past, and we can't do anything about that. That it's changed. And the, the biblical understanding of it is more of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, Paul writes, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Or there's a story... About, about a healing that, that happened uh, by Jesus in John chapter 5. And he, he's going along and he's in this kind of common area where, where a lot of sick people used to hang out. And, and he comes across this beggar who is he, he's crippled, he can't walk. And he goes up and he asks him, Hey, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, Yeah, I really want to be healed. And Jesus told him, Stand up pick up your mat and walk. And what did the guy do? He didn't lay there and say, "Well, in the past I haven't been able to walk. So I'm not I Jesus, I can't pick up my mat and he didn't, no, what he did was he accepted this healing and he 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 put what was in the past and he got up and he walked and he He went forward. And this idea of of the Gospel, the good news is this, is that that Christ offers us healing through the cross. What He did on the cross enables us to go forward and we have freedom in Christ that, you know what, the, the past does not have to to burden us or hold us back anymore, that it doesn't have to, to steal our joy, that it doesn't have a hold on us, that true we can have consequences of the past, we all we all you know deal with those things, but as far as our, our spirit and our mind and our relationship with God goes, that, that we can move forward confidently if we accept the forgiveness of what Christ did on the cross for us. That no longer do we you know, need to, to say, well, I would like to, to serve God, but I, I can't because I, I can't do this because of what I've done in the past. And, and Paul really had reason to, to, to not go forward and, and be one of the greatest apostles Whoever walked the planet for Jesus Christ. I mean, think about his resume. Uh, he persecuted the church. He, he went and purposely tried to make followers of Christ's lives a living hell. He would do everything he, in his power under the authority that was given him by the Sanhedrin and the, and the, and the government to root them out and throw them into prison and, and disrupt their lives. He even went so far to be an accessory to murder. He actually was part of the first murder of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. We don't know if he actually threw a rock, but but he definitely was there and he was part of that happening. Now, I don't know about you, but when I when I was became a follower of Christ and I started having some ministry opportunity in my in my dark times and my quiet times when i was all by myself the enemy would start kind of sneaking into my mind and 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 saying hey you you can't do this ministry because remember you took drugs or you slept around or you know you suffer with anxiety or depression or or all these kinds of things and i was like oh you're right you're right. I, I who am I to think that that I can serve God in any sort of capacity? I remember this was really eating me up and I had a dear pastor friend and who had been wanting me to get into ministry uh and serve alongside him and I was like I just you know I'm not healthy enough. I'm I'm broken. I I'm not ready and all this kind of stuff and and I I have done too much bad stuff in my past for God to ever use me, and He's like, "Hmm, you know, have you ever killed somebody?" I'm like, "Hmm, no, not lately." Uh, ha you know, have have you ever persecuted? You know, the church. Have have you know you you ever had multiple wives? Have you you know ever? Uh, done all these things He goes down this this list and i'm like no 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 and he's like oh i guess you're right you know you're not qualified i'm like what are you talking about he's like the things that i just listed for you were were things that the men and women in the bible were were guilty of but through god's grace and through god's love and mercy and through the cross he says you know what The old is gone. You are a new creation in Christ. And you have been entrusted with this history in order to minister to a broken, messy world. And Paul is great evidence of this. He continues on, he says, look, I, in verse 14, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And there's lots of things that can hold us back in a race. I don't know if you guys know, you probably do, but you know, I've been known to race a couple of triathlons and, and I, I enjoy doing them. I, Technically, I don't know if I race in them, but I'm, I'm there with other people who are racing or, you know, they're waiting for me to finish. And, and I'm going, going along and, and I've learned some things about the Christian faith in, in triathlons and in endurance events. I know that one, uh, one thing is that really good things in the past, like if I had a really good swim or something like that, is not indicative of the future. Also, I've learned that in, in triathlon, you swim, bike, and run, and there's transitions in between. In each transition, a lot of things can go wrong. I've also learned if something goes wrong in, in one of those transitions or along the way, that it doesn't help me at all toward, to finishing the race if I stop and I'm like, well, I really need to analyze what just happened there while people are passing me by. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's that's not what we're doing. This imagery of 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 Paul saying, Look, I press on. You know, I I I've, I've completed the swim. You know, I'm I I've I've transitioned on the bike, and and I'm I'm heading toward the goal. And and just because I had a good transition or a bad transition, it doesn't matter in the future. What matters is what is ahead of me. And he talks about racing to. Achieve the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What is that? Right? What what is this heavenly prize? Well, this is what I've been thinking about. This heavenly prize is actually that we get to experience what it means to be fully human. That's the heavenly prize. Do you know that there's only been three fully human people, three people who who got to experience the life that God envisioned for His creation in the history of the world? That was Adam and Eve, and then the new Adam, who's also known as Jesus Christ. That God's vision for humanity, His vision for us to be fully human. You know what that means? That means an unfeathered, un, there's a barriered relationship between us and our Creator. And none of us have ever experienced what it means to be fully human. And Paul, a little later on the, in the letter, will explain a little bit more what that means. So we are working toward this goal, we are are striving to to build our relationship with with Jesus Christ. And he continues on because there's a lot of problems that are, are going on in the church in Philippi here. And He says, look, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. It's interesting how he doesn't bother with people who are spiritually immature, because they're never going to agree on anything. These are the people that split churches over the color of carpet. These are people who elevate doctrine and theology over the love and redemption of Christ. And he's saying, look, those of you who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it clear or plain to you. And then he continues on. He says, but we must hold on to the progress we've already made. In other words, do what you already know is true. Obey what you have already learned from me. Don't spend all of your time arguing about, about different things, that these are things that people who are enemy of the cross do. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 7, he says, look, don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. That this is what lazy, disobedient followers of Christ do. He says, look, do what you already know. I have a dear friend now lives in Utah, and, and he, the way he says is that, that Christians are educated way beyond their obedience level. So, what is it? What is it that we already know? Well, well, we look at the cross, and the cross screams it out to us. That on the center post, it's pointing vertically to, and saying, look, you need to have a right relationship with God in the horizontal arm. You have to have a right relationship with people. And that everything in life comes down to having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. And everything else is just commentary. That, that Jesus goes on to talk about this in, when somebody asked him, Jesus, what is the most important thing? And Jesus replied, well, the, the tension between Arminianism and Calvinism, you know, blah, 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 it's not what he said, is it? You know that Jesus never spoke about doctrine. He spoke about relationship. And this is what Jesus said. He said, look, this is the most important thing in life. You've got to love God with all of your heart. All of your emotional capacity. That you need to pattern your life to to emotional wellness. And bring honor and glory to God through your emotions. He also, and we'll talk about this a lot next week, loving God with, with all of your mind. That's a mind, that's a spinal cord and the brain. Yeah, all right, well just work with me, I'm not an artist. You're like, really? Uh, Somebody at the earlier gathering said I should auction this off though. (laughs) Well, it's not done yet, it's an unfinished masterpiece, so stick with me, maybe at the end you'll think it's great. But honoring God and bringing glory to God with your mind, with your thoughts, with 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 the the elevated conversations that that you have, Jesus also said, "Look, the most important things is loving God with all your spirit or 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 your soul, loving God with with you know, just spending time with Him and experience Him, and then loving God with all of your strength." You know. A lot of people, including myself, have have struggled with that. That's a arm, by the way. I should. That's wind, pneuma, air, spirit. Okay. Uh, the the arm, you know, the, in strength. And a lot of us struggle with this. But the the truth is that our bodies are a temple, and and we are not able to to function at the, the level that, that God has envisioned for us unless we are taking care of our, our temple because you know what when when we put junk in or we're not sleeping right or or things like that or drinking too much or or things like that 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 it wears down our body and and it 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 prevents us from being prepared to be set aside for God's purpose. And then finally he says look you need to you need to love your neighbor. You need to love others. I'm going to draw that by like a guy trying to scale scale up the up the cross here and there's a guy helping him up. That that having a right relationship with people it is not that bad. Thank you. I should auction it off. Yes, it'll be on eBay this week. So uh but but this idea that the the, the cross and, and and Jesus tells us these things time and time again. It's like, look, you know what? To be a church and to be a follower of Christ, that you you need to think about these things that you need to train yourself is in in um in First Timothy 4.7, he says, look, train yourself. If you don't train yourself, if you're a musician, you don't train yourself to hit the right notes, or if you're an athlete and you don't train yourself to be disciplined to go fast, or, and, or if, if you're a speaker or an artist and you don't train yourself to draw, that you are, are not going to be able to do it with any sort of proficiency. Well, the same is true as being a follower of Christ. That if we're not trained up, if we are not trained to focus on the most important things that Jesus has called us to do to help us move us toward the goal of being full, fully human someday, that, that it is inevitable that we're going to be pulled away into divisiveness and to Petty things that tear apart the church because that's what people do in their broken state. And that's why Paul's saying, Look, those of you who are mature, and this is the mark of maturity, is to be able to say, You know what? I'm not going to be pulled into this divisive behavior if it doesn't have to do with what Jesus said is the most important thing. And then he says that everything. Everything, all the loss, everything comes out of this with the cross and the great commandment. Everything flows from that. If I'm not getting this right, and if I'm not training myself to do this, that chances are great that I'm going to miss living out the life that God has envisioned for me. Continues on in verse 7. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Now, again, he is not saying I'm perfect and everything that I do is perfect. It sounds very braggadocious to use a trace word from this evening to say, hey, have you seen anything in me, you know, me doing or saying, you know, put these kind of things in a practice way. What he's saying is in the context, it's like, look, in my training, in my desire is to be fully human. To fully be, have an experience with the creator of the universe. And you should put into practice this desire in your life says in verse eighteen, for I have told you often before, and I will say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. people who tear apart churches over over petty things that don't have to do with what you're looking at here that 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 if you're if people are are elevating doctrine over the love of Christ and love of God. That they are actually showing that they are actually enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They bra- brag about shameful things and they think about only about this life here on earth. And that really is what religion is. And that's also what hedonism is, which is another religion. It's just, it's just you know what, what is here on this earth is what is matters. And what we need to do as friends of the cross is have an internal view of when we are making friendships that we want to have eternal friendships. When we, we are having relationships, we want to have eternal relationships. That we should look at our marriages as eternal marriages anything else is just short-sighted and then finally he kind of really unpacks this idea of of to be fully human is to actually be like jesus but we are citizens of heaven and eric talked about you know in the context of being a roman citizen earlier on what that means where the lord jesus christ lives are we eagerly wait we are and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior and then listen to this listen to how he's going to make us fully human he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control the image of becoming fully human is this idea that jesus will come back and someday restore our bodies restore our minds and restore our hearts and our strength and and our relationships and and the broken messy world that we live in that 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 the the sin will be gone that barrier will be gone and that for the first time in our lives, we'll be able to experience what Adam and Eve and Jesus experienced. And that is to live the life that He envisioned for His creation. To be fully human. You guys pray with me? Dear Lord, I just pray that You give us a desire to follow You with all of our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength and to love others as ourselves, that we will not be pulled into petty arguments or elevate elevate doctrine over Your love. God, I just pray that we will have a desire to be fully human and what that means. We love You, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Wow. <laughs>